we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Waramai and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Waramai and Wanarua elders, both past and present. on the field for the Newcastle Knights. Darren Tracy's first touch of the footy. Now Andrew John. Strikes a little hole himself. He's close. Right. He reaches out. That's a try to Andrew John. Bruce Street from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game. It is debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew John scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night. Coming to you live from Warramai and Wanneroo Lands, the Bay 53 podcast, part of the sport's best friends podcasting network, brought to you by your friends, Brodo and the K-Dog. Ladies and gentlemen, the Newcastle Knights are back-to-back. That's right, back-to-back premiers for the first time in the club's history. The ladies did the job in the NRLW decider over the Titans, 24 points to 18 in a grand final for the ages. And in fact, it was a day for grand finals of many ages because it was a precursor to one of the all-time great NRL grand finals between the Panthers and the Broncos. There's lots to talk about here at Bay 53. We'll get straight into it. It's daily daily M's, it's national teams, it's grand finals. Bretto, it was an incredible, incredible end to a fantastic uh, year and two seasons of Rugby League uh, in 2023, uh, last Sunday. Yeah, wow. Um, Yeah, did any of us see this coming after we had one no games in the first year? Amazing. It's, um, you know, we we, we did a post um, from the pod account, uh, you know, subject, uh, sorry, subsequent to um, Sunday stating that, uh, you know, Ronald Griffiths, um, who I think we all you know can uh, agree is uh, the legitimate coach of the year. Um, but he's had as many losses as he's had grand finals in his time uh, in sorry premierships in his time coaching uh, the Knights. And Tamika Upton has more uh, Karen Murphy Murphy medals than she does losses for the club. This team, this coaching setup, the club they are it has been a juggernaut, an absolute juggernaut over the last two seasons when you think about what they had to go through to put a team together for their inaugural season uh, their inaugural season at the beginning of last year yeah and it's, it's it's a real testament to ron and all the knights recruiting staff of how well they've you know they've sort of integrated the girls back after that first year we got all those girls that come home so you've then got to integrate you know an entire new team you know throw in your superstars Millie and Tamika throw that in and you make you turn that you know and you lose Hannah Who's you know, who's your local champion in round one? You turn that into a premiership team, amazing. But then the, the entire structure change, four new teams, um, you know, a salary cap. You know, you only have one marquee, so you've got to spread your money correctly. So then automatically each team gets weakened because there's more talent to spread. And then you then turn that into another premiership team, still in one loss. That's like that's incredible. And I don't think it'll ever be mentioned because we're a little old Newcastle. Like how impressive that actually is. You are listening to the Bay 53 Podcast. Mate, we made the mistake last uh, week of thinking we were smart to record on Team List Tuesday so that we could go through all things, um, you know, player-based in terms of the big deciders last Sunday. But we went off early, as we do tend to do, because we made the mistake of recording 
um, before what's possibly now old news, but you better believe we're going to go back over that puppy. The Dally M ceremony for the NRLW and NRL Players of the Year were held last Wednesday. Can I ask you, mate, because we didn't really talk about it when we did last record, but can I ask you, mate, hand on heart, and I believe you either way, What, like, did you have any expectations whatsoever going into the ceremony uh, last Wednesday? You know, just given the way the night seasons had panned out, we had, you know, Kalen had finished the season strong, uh, Tamika had had a great year, you know, there were some plays here and there that was, st- but what were your expectations sort of going into that night? Um, well, I thought Tamika was a lock, you know, I didn't... Really? Didn't, yeah, no, I, I, I thought Tamika was a lock simply because now this is going to sound, you know, a bit maybe, you know, a bit shit, but because she's got a, she's, she's a Queenslander, so she's not a Newcastle <laughs> local. And and honestly, when it comes to the voting in the media, it matters. It matters that she has a reputation as this origin great Queenslander. It genuinely matters. Yep. You know, and I think that that was, you know, I think that was a real thing. I think he's, he's like say, you know, like a Jesse would have that season. I, I, I would be as confident. But Hannah, uh, sorry, Tamika being Tamika, Absolutely, I thought she'd win. And in the end, it was closer than I think it should have been. She was clearly the best player. Um, I thought Uncle Ron was a lock, so I was, rock, I was wrong there. You know, I thought he was just, you know, after denying the first year and saying, oh, well, it's because, you know, the minor premier coach, you know, best coach, and okay, whatever. So the minor premier coach then doesn't get it. You know, a coach gets it for doing exactly what Ron had done the previous year. Mm. Um, yeah, we, we know we know politics comes into it, and that's and that's what you know. My first point, you know, Karen Murphy is a well known, you know, legend of the women's game. The media all know her, the media all love her. That's why she got it. Okay, whatever. Um, as for Kaylin getting it, I I thought SJ was a, a lock, I thought SJ would win. Um, mm. but I, I thought Kaylin would charge home and finish a really nice second or third. I definitely thought going into the night. Look, I, I thought no Knights players were were much chance. Not and with, when it came to Kalen, I thought he was just no chance because I thought he'd left his his run too late. So I thought he might sort of finish top ten. But with Tamika or with the Knights, the new, the I, new system. The new system helps Kalen. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, that's they, otherwise you're right. With you, without having a good, you know, back end of the or, sorry, a consistent back end of the season, the the, the old three point system, he probably finishes tenth. Yeah. Mm. So um, I sort of thought, which was fine, you know, I mean, when you think about where Kalen came from earlier this year, the fact that he finished the season relatively healthy, I mean, you know, his shoulder, you know, obviously that needed work, but he, he was playing with the with that injury. But the fact that he finished the season for us, I think, was, you know, the reward for us in and of itself. But when it came to the NRLW team, I thought that they just... I mean, come on, how do you talk down a minor premier? Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's sort of, there was was always this feeling that despite the fact that the Knights, no, here's the thing. There was was always the feeling about the Knights in the NRLW that once we lost to the Cowboys, we were under the radar. You know, we were scrapping for wins. We were never, and, and everyone just sort of kept waiting for them to falter. And then even when we beat the Roosters, the story wasn't, well, how good did the Roosters, did the Knights play? The story was, well, what's wrong with the Roosters? You know, can they get things firing back up, back back for finals? And then even when we took out the minor premiership, the story was, what an historic moment for the Knights, but how are they going to go in finals? Because it wasn't their best performance. And so I just sort of thought there was an uncertainty about the team that unfortunately, you know, unfortunately pervaded the narrative about this team, 
where when you came to voting, you just sort of thought, well, they'll look at the flashes from Tamika, but as a whole, you know, we'll spread enough of the votes around where she just won't get the job done. And, and we'll, I, I thought the, um, I thought, uh, the fullback for the Titans was probably um, going to get because you, you you quite rightly pointed out when we when we played them mid season we played them in the grand final that's their clear star player that is, that she's the one you shut her down and you know you, whereas with the Knights okay if you shut Tamika down no one really did but if you shut her down yeah right Jesse will probably do something you know Yaz will probably do something you got you know what I mean I just funnily enough I really did just think that Tamika probably didn't stand out enough because everyone had just been talking the Knights down all season. And I just kind of think, and you're right, and I, and I, and I was not that I thought Tamika was in bad form, but I thought Tamika was just, you know, she was very good for the first mm. half of the season. You know, she wasn't great, but I, but I know the way that system works in terms of the stars will get votes anyway. So because we kept winning, I thought, well, even if she hasn't been great, she'll still get, she'll still get, you know, second best player on the field by the judges because that's, you know, that's how the system works. And in the end, she didn't. That you know, in the end, it was just getting three points, three points, three. But right at the end of the season, it sort of got her home. It didn't, so it didn't pan out exactly how I thought it would. But you know, in the end, you know, she got there, and I don't think anyone denies that you know she's the best player in the world. And it's where you know, as much as the Dally M is a you know a sort of a season award and whatnot, it's nice when the when the best player in the world who you know who was had a great season gets the award. She truly, she genuinely was the the the. the player of the season it, it was the it was the it was indisputable in terms of the fact that she was the recipient of it and in a lot of ways I mean I don't because you know you and I sort of you pointed out to me how is she 25 years old she's won two for two grand finals she's got a Dalian medal how has she not played for Australia yet and she's won as four you, grand finals <laughs> sorry yeah my apologies my, my apologies yeah she's yeah. won four so in fact there was that yeah. stat where she's won more grand finals than the Broncos um yeah, yeah my apologies so yeah that, but that that's even more so so how is she how has she not played for the Jillaroos before being named this morning? And I, and I actually, because we, we talked about it in the chat this morning, I was actually thinking about it this afternoon, and, and it kind of makes sense in so much as I think she was always the second best fullback. So she, when, she, when she was a young player, mm. you know, she was Queensland's fullback, and she looked like a star, but, you know, like Sam Bremner was the gun, and then Tonegade was, you know, and there was just always girls that had great seasons to, to beat her. That's why also why she had to kind of dally him, because she was always, you know, the, the second best in her position. But that she's probably also you know, a top five player. But as you know, in the NRL, it's the same thing. You know, like Reese Walsh and Caitlin Pong play the same position, same thing. And that was kind of how it rolled. She was just always just you know maybe the fifth best player, but the second best fullback. And it, but it got to the point this year where you know they had to pick it. If they didn't pick it this year. It was a travesty of justice. And also, don't forget the walk up she pulled out. Like, yeah, no, so and yeah, don't get me yeah. wrong. You know, it's not like she's been snubbed the entire time. There was a but you'd sort of think, well, she, she would have had to pull out a fair few, like she would have had to make herself unavailable a fair few times to have missed out. But yeah, as you're right, it was a, it's a bizarre set of circumstances that have seen her, um, you know, potentially. And, you know, hopefully she does make her debut for um, for the Jillaroos this year. Mate, as you pointed out, though, it was a lot tighter at the top than um, than we anticipated when it came to came to Tamika's uh, medal. And funnily enough, you know, I'm, I'm sort of sitting here saying, well, I thought um, if Ivania Politi was uh, going to take it out. She didn't even land top five. So in the end, it was Tamika Upton took the award on 27 points. Taryn Aiken for Sydney on, on 26. Samima Tau for 22. Ali Brigginshaw, the GOAT, on 22 as well. 
and Teague and Barry 20. And I know that there's a tendency to think that there's a bit of the Reese Walsh's about um, Teagan. You know, she's all flash and, and little substance. I personally thought she had an absolutely brilliant season. Yeah, and um, I, I think that that is a that's a great top five. Like, they are just top five high-performing, absolute quality players. And I don't think any of those you would have any of those players you would have begrudged taking out the award. No, and we, we've mentioned on this pod, well, I've mentioned on this pod many times about how underrated Yaz is. So Mima Taufa, like to, to me, she's she's the best forward in the game. Mm. And no and, and there were no one besides, you know, us and RLW uh, um, fanboys would even know who she is because, she, you know, she doesn't have the flash reputation because she's not a flash player. But honestly, I think she was the difference between us losing Origin. Oh, sorry. You know, essentially won all in Origin, but not getting the shield because mm. Samaya Taufel didn't play. You know, she's she's what Hannah is to us. You know, she tackles everything that moves. But obviously Hannah with the ACL hasn't quite got the ball carry at the moment. But Samaya Taufel does. So she'll run, you know, she'll run for 150 metres and make 35 bone rattlers. Yeah, she's, she's outstanding. Tegan Berry, great season. Like, yeah, there's plenty of flash about her. But she's a worker, you know. She's she's always there. Unlike Reese Walsh, you know, she's there for kicks. You know, she cleans yeah. up grubbers, you know. That's that's where, you know, where people sort of forget. And she didn't get picked for the Gillaroos on the wing today, which I was actually surprised about. I thought they'd put her in the squad on the wing. Um, Ali's the GOAT, you know. We always know Ali's going to be up there. So there's as much as I thought Mix would get it, yeah, there's no surprise who was up there. Um, yeah, Vivani Politi being down where she was, was was a surprise for me. Can I just ask you quickly about Taryn Aiken as well? Because we sort of discussed it, you know, in the Titans semi-final win. Uh, over, you know, you shut down Taryn Aiken, uh, you shut down the roots, the rooster. What's left of the roosters? Sorry, because obviously, um, uh, Jess Sergis was out. You know, Millie was probably playing a little bit um, banged up. Um, although having said that, now that I think about it, Isabel Kelly was probably a bit of a disappointment there as well. But I mean, Taryn really is the the focal point for that team's attack. And I think it says a lot about um, how well the Titans played against her that, yeah, if they, they, you shut down Taryn, you were able to shut down the Roosters. Yeah, Tar- Taryn's outstanding. I think she's the best half in the game at the moment. Um, I actually thought she was her going from Brisbane to the Roosters this year would be what put them over the top. Mm-hmm. I, you know, yeah, Millie, you know, Millie's Millie, but I actually thought, you know, if what would what would sort of put them over the top would be Taryn, and she was outstanding all year. But you're right, the Titans um, exploited what I think was a poor coaching performance by just um, harassing Taryn. So once <laughs> they, you know, circled Taryn and gave her no space, there was nothing else to go on with. Um. And if you think I'm going to stop bagging John Strange, you got to. No, I'm going to bag him the end of time. I, 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 I won't lie to you. That did stop me in my tracks. I just thought, <laughs> all right, so we'll, we're each Walsh. Yeah, we ticked him. All right, okay. Don, John Strange, Elizabeth. We're just down, going, the list. down the list. We're just going through it today. Going to be a long uh, off season, mate. Got to get him out. <laughs> um, Tamika. All right, let, let's talk a little bit about Tamika. Let's talk about the season that she's had. I'm going to say something to you, which, you know, sort of came to light today. You know, a good friend, Harvey G, he just planted that seed in my mind a little bit. Or well, actually not, anyway, this week. Incredible season. She's, you know, she's head and shoulders above, well, no, not head and shoulders above, but certainly she's part of an elite tier of uh, women uh, rugby league players at the moment that are, you know, a clear rung above the rest. But 
I want to put this to you just because I want to have the the hard conversation about uh, Tamika, if I may. Is the quality does the quality of the of the opposition? Sorry, does the quality of the competition, which has gradually gotten better with each each season, I I think, but does the quality of the competition diminish her achievements? And the and, and I put it to you in terms of, she is so good. You know, you think of the likes of her and Millie. They don't yet have that standard of opposition that truly tests what that how they need to perform under pressure. Um, yeah, I, I I wouldn't disagree with that. I'll put it in the context of the goats, Ali Brinkinshaw, the undisputed goat. So, and I was always of the, of the opinion, yeah, she was she was the first star when there were no stars. You know, when mm. when women's rugby league was really starting to semi-professionalized, you know, they went from pure amateurs to, you know, there was a little bit of money to play the game. Ali was the star of the, well, Ali's just, you know, she's just better than everybody. You know, it's a very, it's a very low base. The, the game's developing off. And as the game develops, they'll just go past her. Well, they mm. haven't. Ali's, Ali's still, you know, in the top four, four or five players in the world in her 30s. You know, so I, and I think Tamika will be the same. Tamika in her mid-20s, I think in five years' time, will just continue to do this. So I think what she's achieved now, yeah, it, you know, I wouldn't personally, but people may diminish it because the competition will be so much better in five years. But I still think she'll be doing this in five years. She yeah. might be, you know, she might be the standout she is now, but she'll still be the top, you know, half a dozen players in the world. And then we'll go, okay, you've done this for 10 years, the entire development of the league, you're still, you know, up there. You're now in the GOAT conversation. And, and that's really where I sort of land on it as well. I don't think as the opposition gets better that they drag Tamika down. I think she raises that standard. Oh, ab- absolutely. And, uh, and, and she's going to maintain it. So so for this year now, she, it'll be the first time she's been able to be a fully professional rugby league player. Mm. That's got to be a benefit to her. Mm. Um, she, had a, look, she, just, she had a phenomenal season, um, you know, as quite as sort of uh, highlighted by the fact that she did win the win the player of the year but I want to sort of uh, really highlight three key performances um, or sorry two really because the, 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 they would have been the only ones that formed part of the of the Dalian voting but her performance against the roosters and against the Tigers were performances that I thought she, they were the two games to me that highlighted that this this player, truly is the difference she is the difference between greatness and you know being amongst um you know one of those middle of the road sort of um you know team slash achievements because when you think about the roosters you know that that individual try that chip and regather and try that she scored against the roosters plus the difference she made in the second half you know 20 points to four um, she was the main attacking difference of that. But I want to go back to the Tigers game because at eight to six down going into half time, no Jesse Southwell, you're not sure which way this is going to go. And it's easy to forget that at that half time, even by that stage, there were still significant questions about the mental strength of this team. And if I can come full circle, mate, you know, these were the doubts that commentators had about the team. That we were like, well, yeah, hey, is, are these guys are these guys legit? Like, what's the guy? And again, Tamika comes out in that second half and just goes up a gear that uh, the, the 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 Tigers didn't have. And you know, four tries later, she's had a big part in uh, in the way we've played, and she sort of carried. When you think about, it, she's carried us not only to a win that night, but the first minor premiership in the club's history. You know, the ability to you know locking up that top two position. 
those two games represent a couple of things for me. One, the clear ability that she have has. But two, you know, something that you and I had looked at Tamika this season, and we were sort of questioning, is she holding back and waiting for her moments, or is she not completely fit? I thought those two games not only highlighted that she has been waiting for the moment, but she's been hold, not she as has actually been holding back to bring out her best in the games that matter. So not even just within the games themselves, but the games within the season, because her last four games for the Newcastle not flawless, and she has been without peer these last four games to get us get us that win over the Roosters that we needed to um, to go for the minor premiership, get us the minor premiership, get us into the grand final, and then ultimately um, seal back-to-back premierships. Yeah, absolutely. She's she's your um she's your cream on top, you know. She you're right, she she does pick her moments and I and I have the same thoughts as you. Is she not fit? Is she just, you know, is she a bit down of confidence? You know, why is she mm. not just dominating? Especially when we're playing the teams, you know, we should have been smashing, you know. She did some brilliant things in all those games, but she was wasn't dominating. I thought, oh, what's you know, we'll see how this pans out. But you're right, once things started, got serious, you know, the Roosters game, yeah, the Tigers, the minor premiership, the Broncos semi, and then obviously on Sunday, it, was, it wasn't just moments. Like, she would go back-to-back tries, you know. For 10 minutes, she would dominate the game and win the game. Yeah. And it just and, – and it's not that she would be going missing for the other 70. It would be she would just do her job. She would, she would be a good fullback for the rest of the game, you know? She would just do her job, be a good, solid fullback, catch everything, return the ball well. But the moment was there to, to grab the game by the scruff of the neck, she had you know, that extra 10% of energy and that extra 50% of ability and would just take the game away from the opposition. Like, that Broncos game where Broncos were coming back and she just went bang, bang, two tries. Like, mm. only superstars do that. Yep. Uh, in, in games like that, you know, Nathan Cleary did that, you know, and people are looking as the greatest 20 minutes ever played. Well, Samika did that three times this year. It's um, it's an incredible ability of hers to, to know the game situation. So it's, it's, and she doesn't panic. So the opportunity coming at us, she doesn't go, well, I've got to win this game now. She doesn't panic. She just goes, we'll stay in this game and my moment will come. And when her moment comes, she takes it. She never misses it, which is incre- an incredible ability to just go, this is our moment, this is my moment. And she never misses that opportunity. It's it's unbelievable. She's a funny one as well. So, you know, we, we finished the season where we had one loss, ultimately, um, that uh, inexplicable round two loss against uh, the Cowboys. And you look at her statistics from that game. And again, my recollection of that game is that she was she was one of many who was quiet that day while not necessarily being the problem. And yet she still ran for 192 metres. And and again, that's why there's that element about her as well that maybe her mistake is that she's actually so um, professional. Uh, what's the word I'm sort of like? She's, she's so without spectacle in the way that she carries a lot of her game that she's there are parts to her game that are actually unappreciated because... Her ball trying, like that too. 
Yeah. Like, I, I'll quite often look at the stats and go, oh, Meeks has put on two tries this day. I can't, didn't, even, didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, here's a game where with what I thought, well, she was, you know, she was quite like everybody else in this weird loss. And all right, we shake that off. And what's happening with this team? But she's still performing at this high level. You know, 18 runs. She was almost double the, the next closest carry. And um, a hot day. Remember how hot that day was? And it was, it was a hot day that fucking day. hot day. And um, yeah, yeah, she, yeah. It, it's actually funny to look at, if you look at her seat, season as a whole you go all right well she picked her moment this and that but if you actually deep like uh, sorry deep dive into each game she was performing at a high standard every single game and all of a sudden you go oh i've i've you know andrew johns to her or i've you know to be fair teddy james tedesco to her. you know you know how yeah, teddy's yeah. falling off this clear cliff at the moment you think well he's fallen back to the pack because they set such a high bar for what yeah. you expect from them. That's that's what you realise with Tamika. And yeah, I just I just think that the Dalium recognition for um, you know the season that she's had. Because let's not forget, this is the longest NRLW season that we've had of the six. This was the you know this was a ten team competition. These girls had to had a longer preseason. They had a longer season. They've played more football than they're probably used to um, this year. And here's Tamika Upton rising above everybody else to say, I'm the best player in this game. It's 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 got to be one of the best um, individual seasons by a female rugby league player in the game's history. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And I'll just go back to my point where I said, you know, like for she'll just be a normal fullback. And by that I mean, because that's what she'll do. She'll, she'll be Dylan Edwards. So she'll be Dylan Edwards for 70 minutes, where she kicks, where she catches kicks. She doesn't make a mistake. She returns. She never passes off to a winger. She returns most of the kicks herself. She would just be Dylan Edwards for, you know, for three quarters of the game. But then for 10 minutes, she'll be Caitlin Ponga slash Reese Walsh. <laughs> like, that's the ability she's got. Because everyone, everyone that loves Dylan Edwards go, well, Dylan Edwards, blah, blah, blah. We kick, return, made no mistakes, backs everything up. Great. Everyone that loves KP or Walsh goes, yeah, but these guys will win you the game in five minutes. She mm. does both. Um, she was. She obviously wasn't the the only <laughs> the only nice Victoria. Uh, quickly before we get to the because uh, quickly before we get to the the men's um, awards, um, you know the fall. It's not fallout, but obviously Knights fans and you know some Knights journos as well. Our noses are still put out of joint uh, in respect of uh, Ron Griffiths missing out on the coach of the year gong. Look, I, I do I, I do think some of the reaction was probably unwarranted. Um, you never want to turn disappointment into a means by which you um, you, you, you attack anybody else, particularly um, the, the ultimate recipient of the, the award. Um, but I, I, my, my experience was they generally tended to be in the minority, happy to be proven wrong. Um, but I think the... The, the backlash from Knights fans when it came to Ron Griffiths, you know, misplaced or not, genuinely what came from a place of just absolute utter and dear affection for this coach. It's our love for Uncle Ron. Who's given so much to these players, who's given so much to this club, and every step of the way has just held and handled himself with the class and the dignity that um that that his uh, role deserves that so off the back of that let's uh, object do you think you could objectively argue that he was robbed of the coach of the year award for 2023 i'll argue that he was robbed of one of the two 
So to, to, to me, the and as I said earlier, to me, the rules change. Strange got it because he was the minor premier coach, mm-hmm. and that's why he's the best coach. So then so Ron took the wooden spooner to the premiership, didn't get it. Okay, whatever. So then actually Ron is the minor premier and in the grand final, but they give it to the coach that took the team from the wooden spoon to the grand final because she did that. So what? Which, which one is it? That to me is the injustice. Seems to be the rules for picking the winner changed both times so that Ron wouldn't get it. Yeah, I, th- I think that was the kick to the guts as well. And I, I think that was just the final nail in the in the coffin when it came to any when it came to any sympathy or goodwill that that, that Knights fans were going to have for not awarding Ron this time. Is that going into this season, knowing what he'd achieved last year as a premiership winner? and taking that team to a minor premiership, which, let's be honest, taking the team to a minor premiership in an extended competition, can I put it to you that if we'd lost the grand final this year, or if we had, I think Ron's achievements this year would have outshone what he achieved last year, because it's a longer season. Well, it's a longer season and, and you know, a smaller squad, and let's be honest, a weaker squad. Yes. So the fact that he took us to a minor premiership and off the back of knowing that, um, you know, if you could take a team to a minor premiership, given that it's extended now, given the circumstances around how this team was, um, you know, had to play, and and some of, the, and let's be honest, some of the sort of uh, tribulations that we did have to see via injuries ourselves, it just felt like a kick to the guts for Knights fans when we were told, yes, but Karen Murphy took a wooden spooner into a grand final, and we were like, well, hang on, <laughs> you said that wasn't enough last last time. And can and I, I also think... can I can I also say that Karen Murphy was the coach that got on the wooden spoon the year before? Yes, yeah, so... <laughs> you know, she did. She did. You know, it's not like Ron where she took someone else's team and you know and then got him to that. She she had her own team and she got a wooden spoon. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I think I, I mean, you know, the we maintained uh, privately that. Uh, in some ways we were a lot more confident going into the grand final when Ron didn't get that award because we knew it drove the players last year to give it to Ron. We, we knew how much Ron sort of meant to these players and privately we were sort of like, this is probably a good thing for the team perspective because yeah. it's going to drive them even more come grand final time. But having said that, you know, you just feel like it, it just feels like it, it's the recognition for what he's done for this club, this this team, and those players. That it just would have been nice to have that next to his name, just for that acknowledgement. That acknowledgement that yeah. what you've what you've given to the the women's game. Um, we want you to know that you were the coach of the year and you're appreciated for it. Yeah, that that's exactly right. You know, like Ron, you know, like anyone, but especially a, a person like Ron, he knows it's not about him; it's about his players. He also knows that winning the premiership is way more impressive and, you know, and warranted and wanted the winning coach of the year. Yeah, you know, Karen Murphy got to give that medal back, you know, to be the premiership coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's all. That's all understandable. You know, John Strange the same the year before. Um, but you're right. Like it would have just been nice for one of the good guys to win. And apparently, and I don't know, obviously don't know Karen Murphy, but apparently, you know, she's a legend of the game as she is, and she's a wonderful person too. But Ron means so much of this club, this team, this town. And, you know, and he, he coached, you know, the real NRL around here. Everyone knows him. It would have just been nice. It just, it, yeah, you know. And I'm sure that Ron won't particularly care. But in 20 years' time, he's looking at his mantelpiece and he's got, you know, he's 
couple of NRLW premierships and 10 NRL premierships for the Knights and five <laughs> NRL coach of the years. I'm sure he still had that little spot, you know, where he, he wished he got the NRLW coach of the year, but, you know, you just have to go and win it all again for another couple of decades. Was Yaz the only other Knights player that made the NRLW um, Daily M team of the year? Uh, I think she yeah. was. Yeah, team top of head, yeah. Hey, um, we, we say it a lot on this pod when it comes to Yaz, but she is just more and more with each passing day uh, becoming the most, like, the underrated uh, player in the NRLW. And, I mean, uh, granted, because we'll talk a bit more about it when we get to the grand final, it, it, it's hard to outshine Tamika Upton. And, and certainly, you know, the awards that are going to Tamika Upton's way, again, Yaz is probably the same as Ron. She's like, give me the premierships if, uh, if uh, Tamika's going to get the individual awards. Um, but uh, that was really nice recognition for for Yaz. For, for someone who's a, an origin and a Jillaroo rep player, um, you know, could players, gen- like, players generally say it. They're like, look, the rep, the rep honours are the cream for us. You know, we play for premierships, but, you know, it's that, cl- it's that club recognition, you know, that week in, week out um, performances that they give, those recognitions that they get. Sometimes those are the ones that the players value the most to say, you know, this week, out, week in, week out competition that I'm a part of, I was the best in my position there. That's, that's special to me. That's a big deal to me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people always say, you know, winning, you know, your, your Karen Murphy medal, your Clive Churchill medal is better because you, are, you've, you probably won the premiership to get it. Over your over your Dally M's because you know, but there's no doubt that that recognition of an entire season of of extraordinary high quality has to be more in the long run in terms of as an individual. You wouldn't enjoy it as much because you know it's about the the medal on premier on the grand final day, but as an individual at the end of your career, you may go for the year 2020 whatever. I was the best player mm. in the game for an entire season. Like that's got to mean a lot. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of Rugby League or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. Mm. Um... Shall we get on to the men's team? Do you want to talk about the uh, the NRL Dalliem uh, winner, mate? Because, I mean, when because I, I look, hey, you know, I didn't watch the ceremony. I sort of I was following it online. You know, I was I was yeah, I didn't, watch it. I didn't watch yeah. it. Yeah, okay. So when um, when Tamika got the award, I raced out to the to the TV because I, I sort of wanted to see her get the award. And then I sort of thought, oh well, I'm here. I might as well hang around and see what happens with um, with the men's award. They do it, and I'm, I get that they're trying to make it a bit more interesting. I, I still don't think they found the balance for how they they sort of uh, call out the votes because it feels very. It, it suddenly feels now very haphazard, where before it was formulaically boring. Now it's haphazardly confusing, where they're like, well, we're going to factor in that you didn't play this round, and oh, we're only going to deal with who's here or what, you know, like, well, what the fuck's going on? Are you just picking random things out of your, out of a hat to try and make it sound more interesting? But I mean, um, Sean Johnson, you know, the universal favorite going into that night, um, he hadn't faltered when it had come to his performances towards the end of the season, but it was, it was becoming fairly clear 
that he wasn't polling as many votes in the second half of the season as he had um, in the first half of the season. And all of a sudden, he was ripe. He was absolutely primed for the picking, for someone to come running in over the top of him over those last few rounds. Yeah, I was actually surprised, yeah, that he sort of, it was sort of so divided between the start of the year and the end of the year, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. think, you know, he, I don't think he was better on either. You know, I think yes. it was just good for the entire competition. I was really surprised, that, yeah, at how big a sort of difference there was there. So going, I mean, going into, after Tamika had won her medal and going into the last round of votes as it was, um, so there were two rounds left. Uh, they basically said who was going to be eligible or not. And it really rested on Kalen and Sean going into it. I'll be honest with you. I genuinely, I promise you, I genuinely did think that five gaps, the five points with one more game to go might be beyond Kalen. Not because I didn't think he was worthy of six points in that Sharks performance, but I actually did think to myself, he, he went off early that game, which gave other players just that chance to shine at the end of the game and maybe pick up two, one or two points from Kalen that might mean that uh, – because I just thought the recent – you know how sometimes you get to the end of the game and you remember the last 10 minutes better than you remember the first 70? And I just thought, you know, Kalen went off injured. Oh, okay, yeah, that, that sort of happened. I just thought some of the spectacular stuff that he'd done in that game might be diluted a bit. And I just thought maybe another Knights player or two would pick up extra points. So I I didn't think he'd quite make it, um, overtake Sean. And I just figured Sean Johnson has to pick up some sort of point. Like by this stage, it really was just starting to become quite bizarre in terms of, you know, where, where is this, why has this guy suddenly stopped polling points? Yeah, it, you're right. It was, it was bizarre, you know, that. And I think a bit of the problem late in the season for the Warriors was they played a lot of games at home in the wet. So mm. even though even though SJ played great and they won well, yeah, their forwards stood out. You know, Yutahu, Jareth Bees, even Mitch Barnett at times. So their forwards really stood out at times there. You know, DWZ was doing some spectacular stuff. So, you know, the media likes. So he'd pick up a point here and there because of, you know, great, you know, get a hat-trick or some great finishes. And it just kind of was this um, weird thing where all that conspired against SJ, if that makes sense. And yeah, it just, absolutely. Like, he just kept getting overlooked. And I and I don't agree with you. I, I'm I'm completely comfortable with Kalen winning the award. Don't get me wrong, but I also think that there's some of those games where Eshed in poll were just bizarre. So, so I'm I'm happy to have the conversation. I sort of um, the other reason I don't want to make too big a deal about it is well, it's one I don't want to diminish Kalen's achievement. You you give me your ideas though. How do you, can I ask you two questions? I actually want to ask you two questions. What do you think the Dalian Medal of the Year should award? And subsequent to that, how do you appropriately vote for it in order to ensure that that is achieved? Now, if you don't understand my question, I'm happy to sort of answer those questions for you and see what you But do you, do you know what I mean? Like, does the Dalian Award actually award yeah. the best player of the year or the person who's performed the most consistently throughout the season? Um, I think it awards the best player of the year, but I think it should award the most consistent player. I think that I think the way, the way they do it is the way that we were doing our Robbie M's in terms of blocks. Yeah. I, I think if you did an MVP type system where you had, you know, your panel and they all voted maybe in three eight week blocks or three, you know, I've worn that now. So maybe three nine week blocks. Um, I think that would get a better result. 
because, yeah, you know, I think that, um, yeah, Caelan would obviously get, you know, maximum for the back end of the year, but he probably wouldn't get any votes in the first two sections, you know? Mm. SJ would get probably top in the first, maybe second or third in the middle, and, you know, third or fourth in the bottom one, and would probably win the award. And I think yeah. that's probably a fair, a fair system. Yeah. But I don't I don't agree with anyone that tried to tell me that this is an egregious loss for SJ. Yeah, I don't. I know. I, I think that in terms of the best performance by a player this year was Kalen. I think the most consistent performer was Sean Johnson. And Sean ultimately ended up um, taking out the RLPA Champion uh, Player of the Year award, as voted by his peers. And I think in a lot of ways that that ended up being a sort of fair compromise between the two. You know. Uh, they both got recognised for their achievements as terms of the, as the players that they are this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, let, let's talk about Kalen. Let's talk about him winning the, the Daly M Award. Like, let's talk about where he came from and where he got to and where he finished and, you know, the speech that he sort of gave. And, um, I mean, you know, I spent a bit of last can I, can week... I just quickly say, have you ever seen a break from anything change a person so much? No. Like he, he came back from Canada no. as a new person, let alone a new footballer. You know what the funny thing is? The one thing, the one thing for me that I can actually liken it to, and it's actually not even close, is Joey when he broke his jaw back in 2005. Yeah, yeah, that's, fair. yeah that's fair. And he was like, well, my knee's still not right. My jaw's fucked. And he went off and he went up to Queensland and, you know, as we know, he properly, he had that extra break to properly rehab his knee. And, you know, he came back, we look at the, the the tear he had that season in terms of some of the form that he displayed and obviously Origin too. But, I mean, that in a lot of ways doesn't compare to the change in Kalen because the change in Kalen wasn't even just a performance on the field. It was a piece within himself as a human being. Like it was, it was just such a, it was such a stark contrast to witness in this person, who had gone into this season with all these doubts, with all of these demons, with all of these, you know, uncertainties, you know, potentially probably fear, and to see the way he was in those first two rounds, and yeah, just, when you think about those first two games, those first sixty-one minutes or sixty-five minutes of rugby league that he played. Just remember those when you think about what he did when he finally came back, and you know when he after the uh, after the Bali buy round when he he really was just the best player in the world, and it was it was entirely arguable and for me indisputable. It, yeah, it, you, I haven't seen anything close to it. You know, Joey's the only other thing that I think of, and like I said, the, the, it was a spiritual, emotional, and physical. Uh, and meant that change for uh, Kalen Ponga. Yeah, it's it's just remarkable. Remarkable turnaround. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, it's incredible. Like, we, we've, we've mentioned on this pod many times, you know, especially back in the, you know, the, the dark days as such, you know, when the concussion was, a, you know, a real thing where we thought he might retire. Um, and we mentioned, you know, how much the media blowing it all up has to have an effect on him mentally. Mm. And it clearly did, because the moment he went to Canada, the doctor said to me, mate, yeah, you're a footballer. You know, things aren't perfect there, but you're a footballer. And as far as footballers at your age go, you're fine. You know, there's no there's no you know, abnormal things there. You know, you're a 25-year-old footballer. 
you 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 know, your brain scan looks exactly how we would expect it to. There's nothing to be concerned about, and it's just it's kind of like this big weight come off his shoulders where mm. he just went, oh okay, I can still do this. I can still be the best in the world at this. And he talks so much about in the last couple of weeks about he, he didn't want to let people down. And I don't think it's in terms of the you idea know, he, he didn't want to let people down in terms of not playing his best. I think he didn't want to let people down in terms of people that believed in him. He wanted just to show them that I believe in myself. Now he, he, you know, I don't think Kalen, I don't think Kalen's ever thought because he's not the sort of person. Kalen just says Kalen is good at everything he does. You know, great golfer. He's just good at stuff. <laughs> I, you know, bastard. <laughs> and he's fucking sexy to the game with it, bastard. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so, and I think he's just so used to being good at stuff. He never actually had the thoughts inside that you know I need to drive myself to be the best I can be because he never had to. He, he was just the best. I think the Canada and the break from the game and the way the Knights had gone and the Parramatta performance, his individual performance against the Parramatta and the team performance. And then, as you said, his dad, first I've ever said, look, you've had a shock. I prefer, you know, I think that all hit home when, oh, you know, this is a professional rugby league, you know. I need to, you know, have that fire inside me to be the best. And it's kind of like the switch just got turned on. I went, oh, okay, this is how we roll. And then once he got rolling, it was just game on. Because I said, remember I said you have the Titans game. I said you have the Titans game. He'll get the most Dallium point uh, votes from now to the end of the season. You did, yeah. You, I, didn't, I, I didn't think that would. Yep. I didn't think that would mean he would win the Dallium, but yep. I thought you know he would. You know, he would just go on a tear. And as it turns out, you know, he got him the award. But and it just clicked. Like it, it was just so obvious that it had clicked. And um, yeah, did we enjoy it? It's funny. I think two things sort of clicked for Kalen because we have talked about it before. That post Penrith, uh, the second loss to the Panthers, where he said, "I'm tired of losing." I think even that, when he came back and he decided, "I'm really going to apply myself and I'm really going to," I think something changed in Kalen Ponga where he realised that being the best is not actually going to be good enough anymore. I've got to combine that with, "Well, I just want to win." Yeah. Because you know what I mean? Like sometimes when you do something and you're like, well, why isn't this working? I'm doing it better than anybody else and we're still not getting the results. It was something in him that changed where he's like, I've I've got to use my ability now in the circumstances to not only get the best out of me, but get the best result that we actually can. Because you watch the way he played football after after that Penrith game. And I'll go straight to the Bulldogs game. You know, that's 66 to nil. This guy didn't score a try that game, and he played the near a flawless game that uh, that weekend. And this was a guy who was just like, I'm driven now to get the best out of myself, not just to perform well, but to get the results that this team needs. Yeah, I'll be a bit self-indulgent. I'll go my other hero, Stephen Gerrard. So Stephen Gerrard's in the debate for Liverpool, <laughs> for Liverpool's greatest ever player. And yeah, when the debate was on, whether it's him or Kenny Dalglish, uh, Stevie said, they said to Stevie, you know, is it important to you to be considered, you know, among the greats of this club? He said, I love it. You know, I'm a Liverpool kid. I love all that. But he said, I would give all my accolades up to be the worst player on those teams in the 70s and 80s that won everything every year. Mm. You know, he said, I would have to be playing right back and no one even know I existed and still would no one remember me to win all those European Cups and all those uh, first division titles. And I think Kalen has realised that. He, he was always going to be great. But he but did he want to be great or did he want to be a great winner? I think it said a lot about Kalen for his uh, with his uh, acceptance speech. 
I mean, when you sort of talk about the two things that sort of stood out for me in terms of what he said was um, you, you pointed out the the line about um, I, I, I got tired of letting people down. But I think the other thing as well that he sort of pointed to as well was, um, you know, good luck to the, the players that are playing in the grand final this weekend. I, I can't remember. Did he say something along the lines of I, I wish it was me or I, I really wish I was yeah, the one? Yeah, that... yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Those two things, when you think about you, you get the usual cliches, and oh, you know, oh, there are so many people to thank, and you know, a lot of people have played a part in this, and I want to give my best to to the to the to the team as well, which he covered off on. But those two things to me stood out because they weren't cliches used to thank to refer to other people. They were very personal statements that he made in terms of one, what I'm doing, what I the reason I was good that good is because I I wanted to do something for other people who genuinely care about me. But the, the grand final comment just stood out to me because that to me was a player who was saying, implying individual awards are great, but I would give this up to be one of those 17, one of those 34 players who are playing on Sunday night. And that, that was the key point in what he had to say about winning that award, where I was like, that's where Kalen's at at the moment. He's appreciative of that, of what's coming his way. But he's got bigger things on his mind in terms of, you know, what's important to him and what's driving him at the moment. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And we, we've mentioned on the pod many times, you know, the famous Penrith press conference where he said, I just want to win. Mm. And to and, and Kalen and the, and the speech the other night and the, the press conference in the second half of this year have shown the maturity. You know, he's so much better public speak, you know. He's so much better to get his point across. It's not just cliches and, you know, um, sort of talking with his head down anymore. But he also, you're right, talks more about him, the individual, like what he wants to achieve. Because mm. Caitlin in the past, always, you know, the, the line of, I just want to win, it would always be, oh, you know, we just want to be better, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, he's like, I want to win, mm. you know? And that's, and to me, that was the, the drive the back half of the year was, I can make us win. I'm that good. I, you know, me as an individual person, if those guys just do their best to do their job, I will make us win. And that's exactly what happened. Um, I, I'm so, I was so happy for him. I, I just, I, you know, it, it's funny the fallout from the grand final. You know, our, our pot account got um, got sort of, um, uh, sorry, I, I, because I, 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 I'm the one that's sort of um, posted from the pot account. I got pulled up a bit in terms of, you know, stop giving Reese Walsh such a hard time. You know, he's young. You know, he's a kid. You know, okay, he'll, he'll come back from this and all this. And I thought about that. I actually did think about that statement. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, Reese Walsh is a 21-year-old. You know, he's got the game ahead of him. You know, there's a lot of pressure on him. And the reason I, in the end, thought, well, one, no one gives a fuck with what I've got to say about much. But two, the other thing I actually thought to myself was, I, was, I just thought to myself, you know, there's nothing that I have seen that has come close to a lot of the stuff that's been put uh, in writing, whether it's electronically or, or otherwise, that's been written about Kalen Ponga. And not just for the last, you know, week, not just for the last month, not even just this season, but from the moment this kid was um, playing rugby league, you think about some of the things that have been written and said about him, about his family, and what this kid, what this player, this yeah, young man. that's the big thing, his family. Yeah. The media's gone after his family too, not just him. What he's had to endure. I, I sort of thought to myself, whatever you think about, you know, me objectively sort of saying what I say about Reese Walsh, and, and pull me up, all right, I'll, I'll sort of lay, lay off. But I'm like, 
I always come back to where has this energy been for Kalen Ponger and his family? For some of the just absolute bald-faced lies that have been sort of said about him. And when I thought about that, I haven't brought this up to justify anything that I've said right or wrong, but it did make me think about where this kid has come from. I've got to stop calling him a kid. Where this, where this man has come from over the last seven years. And that, that was the stuff that actually where I thought, that's why this Dally M Award is even more special. You know, the strawberry milkshake yeah. thing. Your father's yeah. a cancer on the club. You know, you're going to retire. He came back from... Oh, oh, let's, he, let's be honest. Knights fans were saying he's ruined our club. Yes. Yes. Not, 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 not he's not earning his money. Not, you know, blah, blah, blah. Knights fans in writing on social media said, this guy has ruined our club forever. We'll never get it back. I'm, and I'm actually getting quite emotional thinking about it. Not because I have this distinct love of Kalen Ponga per se, but, you know, the, the deep... Yeah, fair enough. But the deep love I actually have for the Newcastle Knights, and I think about what this this guy has gone through, and what he's endured to play for our club. And when he was getting that award, I was like, that that those are the reasons why this award is important. Because for every every reason he's he's had, where he could have left us this year, and he could have said, "Fuck you all, I'm taking the big money, and I'm doing what's best financially for my family." For whatever reason, he gave himself his best years to our club and to just get that recognition to say, this season you were the best after everything you've come back from, I just, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't be happier for him and I really do, in my heart of hearts, for him personally and hopefully I can enjoy something that follows on from it, I absolutely hope that this is the start of better things to come for him because, you know what, he absolutely does. As a rugby league player in the NRL for the Newcastle Knights, he deserves every single success that should come his way. Yeah, and have you, have you seen it? The narrative has turned. In not obviously to our fans because we're winning more. You know the the um you know the idiots will just jump on the bandwagon. But in terms of I mean in the greater rugby league community, that people start to recognise what Kalen is and how brilliant he is. Mm. And I and I think that you know because everyone loves a human story, and I mm. think that him coming back from the head stuff has humanised him. He's it, you know he's not this golden child anymore. And it's funny because I was actually quite bitter about the, the reason I was upset about the SJ was robbed narrative. And again, it's easy for me to say as a Newton as a Knights fan, I'm like, oh, well, it was nothing against SJ. No, it genuinely wasn't, because at, at the end of the day, we all have a choice about how we're going to react to an outcome. I'm going to get okay. I'm going to get very deeply philosophical and existential here, but you know, bear with me. We have that. We make that decision to say we're going to promote something positive that's come out of this, or we're going to complain about the negative that we see perceived out of it. We, we literally have that choice, and it bugged me. It just it bugged me so much that the the, the fallout narrative was congratulations, Kalen, you've robbed SJ, and I'm like. There is this story that has been presented to you. The headline reads, Kalen comes back from the brink of retirement, crowned player of the year. And I just, why isn't that the story? Why is that not the primary feel-good story outcome of the year? It's rugby league. And it just, it's the same with Joey. All his, all his accomplishments get diminished by one little pinger found in his pocket in London, you know? Like, it's just, yeah. So, it's rugby you know, league. 
And that's the thing. That's why you and I are happy to we, – we've said it before and we'll say it again. Why are you guys always so devotedly um, positive about Crangle and Ponger? I'm like, because you know what? You guys are also devotedly um, um, negative about him. So it doesn't hurt for someone to be sitting here balancing it out. And, and, um, said, and it's us. That's what you we do, mate. We, we take our own in. And that's why I've been so upset about the KP stuff from our own fans mm. because that's not the Knights' way. Our way is you can't play football for us and all of a sudden you're you're a king. And it's it just drove me mental that you know our fans treat him like they did. It's funny, you know, the fact that Kalen played as well as he did, and you quite rightly pointed out is that it was the trip overseas that um, that brought it out of him. So I'm absolutely not going to go back and say is that well, you know, I wish he if only we'd had him for the full season because who knows how he could have yeah you know, he would have actually played this season if we'd had him for the full the full season. You hope that. That you know, this was the season that, that was the time out of the game he had to have during the game to for us to now see four and a half years of the best Kalen Ponga we're going to possibly see. But having said that, so watching him win that award and seeing how well he played, it did give me the courage to go back over those early season games. And you know, just remember how we were sort of all lamenting online this idea of oh, you know, these kicks cost us here and there. And oh, you know, if only Kalen had been there. No, seriously, those kicks actually did cost us because what we saw in the finals was that oh man, you cannot win this comp from outside of the top four and. If um, Brisbane are ever going to be one of those top two teams, you cannot win it from outside the top two because I don't want to be losing in week one of the finals and then having to travel back to Brisbane at any point. <laughs> you yeah, know, it, like you, you know what I mean. So, um, and if you know, if Brisbane and the Warriors and and um, the Storm are going to be perennial contenders, you want to be locking up a top four spot to make sure that you don't have to travel any more than you have to in weeks two or three of the of the finals, depending how how you go. And I just, oh, man, you know, even if we had just had someone who could kick straight against the Panthers or against, you know, Seagull, bang, there's your four points that gets us back into the top four. Um, yeah, and, you know, watching Kalen win that award and seeing what – when I moved on from lamenting what could have been this season, oh, boy, I'm so excited about what could be for 2024 because um, – Oh, the lid's I'm, off. The lid's off. I'm, Brett, I'm we're so in. close. The, the lid's off. We are we, so close. I, because I, I, I said, I said, I said to you boys today, and I've looked at like, I think we're there, and I, 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 you know, I just all day I was just thinking, oh, this is a weakness in the roster this week. And I'm no, 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 Brett. They're not weaknesses in the roster. They're just, you know, the spots where every team has, you know, a good player rather than a great player. We are so close to being a great team. It's unbelievable. And when you think about the players that we do have coming in, because we'll talk about Jack Cogger first. After Sunday night, I, I think he's added just this whole new dimension to what could be. Jack Cogger's added with four premierships in a row. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> but you've said it before, and we'll say it again, the sneaky good signing that has gone genuinely under the radar is what... Um, uh, oh, no. Jed Cartwright. Jed Cartwright brings yeah, to this yeah. team... Yeah, he's not been that has not been spoken about, and I'm very happy about that because when you think about how close this team was to performing, and we still got to round 14, five and nine, what happens next year if say we get to round 14, seven and seven, and we go on a tear? Oh man! Down the blind, Andrew John inside for Alba. Newcastle. Oh, my God.
because I want to talk to you a little bit about um, uh, Barry Tui Tui's news podcast with Adam O'Brien. Did you get a chance to listen to it? I did. I did, yeah. So Adam O'Brien, Lid's off. Lid's been off with him for for a while now. And sort of, you know, in, in Adzi we trust, I think something very drastic has to happen moving forward for us to um, – for us to change that um, that position. Can but, I just say now, Buck, can we have dual coaches? Can he be and run both your first grade coach? Because oh. it, it feels like we're going to lose Ron because that's he's going to stay forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I sort of pointed out to you as well, or something, it, it doesn't feel like a mistake that the men's and the women's head coaches are both player-focused um, individuals who care about the well-being of their players. Can I also say it's interesting that both those guys – Never played at the top level. Yeah, both those guys never played first grade. I think you know. I don't think that's coincidence. I think that's men that have earned their right to be where they are. So Adam O'Brien, he, he said a lot of things um, on the um, the Barry Tui podcast. Incredible listen if you've if you've got if you've got the time, um, make the time to go and have a listen to it. But what I really sort of admired about what he had to say is the discussion he has about what he sees in terms of what he's building in Newcastle. He genuinely sees that he's trying to build something more than just, well, we want to win week to week and hopefully win a premiership. He really does see that he wants to build a club that the players, that the town can be proud of. Again, a message that is very consistent with what Ron Griffiths delivers week in, week out. But, gee, that addition of Peter Parr as his sort of right-hand man to help him put that vision into into place, the last 18 months really have sort of said to me that we are dealing now with a coaching setup that has an actual plan as opposed to what we're used to, which is just reacting to the circumstances and trying to plug holes in a sinking ship. It it It's... Yeah, yeah. What Adam O'Brien had to say in terms of where he sees this club, you know, his own future, what we've done this year, what we will hopefully do. It's it, yeah. It is genuinely an exciting time to be a Newcastle Knights fan at the moment, going into next year. Yeah, you're right, and then that's and that's the big thing. There's a there's a real plan, and it's obvious, and everyone can see it. And this club, even in the great days, never had that. It was year no. by year. In Joey, we trust. Blah blah blah. Then when Joey went. The whole thing turned to shit. Um, but there's a genuine plan. Um, it was proved by the fact that, you know, without Caelan, we were still consistent. You know, we nearly yes. beat Penrith. You know, we won plenty of games without Caelan. We didn't fall off a cliff. You know, so I, so that, I think that put a little bit of something to bed. Even though oh. I knew the two English lads, uh, Kai Pierce, Paul, and mm. Will Price, you know, we signed them 18 months ago. And, you know, and it wasn't an idea of, well, we need them next year. Well, wouldn't it be nice to have them this year? But that was, you know, we were comfortable where we were. We need them in 2024. They'll fit into our plan. There's such, and it's such a unnights thing to be looking two, three, four years ahead. But we're not looking two, three, four years ahead in the brownie sense. We're looking two, three, four years ahead in, you know, well, next year we might finish top two, but not with the premiership. So we went and, you know, that sort of, that's the, that's the plan. It's not, well, you know, we'll get better and better and better. And we'll go 11th, 7th, 6th, you know, none of that. It's mm. okay. Fifth next year. It's got to be top four. Then it's got to be top, you know, you know, that's the plan. And it's, and you're right. Adzi was so sort of adamant about that, that it's just not about winning this year, next year, the year after, 
this is about the Newcastle Knights being the team that everyone in this town appreciates for what they do for the town and the happiness they bring to the local people. And that's all we ever wanted. You know, when we're not greedy, we're not Roosters fans. We don't demand to win the Premiership every year. All 17 of them. All 17 of them. Yeah, we're not demanding that we win the Premiership, finish top four every year. If we can win one Premiership every frigging 10 years and be consistently in the finals and a team, you know, a team of good fellas, happy days. He does. There are two things, three things, sorry, three things that I do want to talk about specifically that Adam O'Brien mentioned. And I mean, he's raised it before in terms of, um, you know, putting that performance on the park that the, that the town can be proud of. Again, consistent with that message that Ron Griffiths has, has, uh, has given. Um, he, Adam O'Brien is working so hard. He's working so hard to, to, to rebuild that connection between the players um, and the fans. And I think he's, I, I think he, it's mission accomplished. I really do think yeah. he's done yeah. that um, this year. Um, the, the second thing, I, the other two things that I want to talk about, though, are more in terms of, um, you know, putting those pieces in place moving into the future. And I actually thought he handled it really well. Um, and I just wanted to discuss it a bit, at least to display this place as I see it, any concerns about any lack of certainty, what he said, firstly about his future, and then secondly about uh, Bradman Best. I thought he handled the questions about his and Bradman's um, futures as well as you'd want someone to handle it because ultimately he he just doesn't, he doesn't know what's going to happen. But... He didn't. There was nothing he said about you know him extending with us uh, or locking down Bradman. There was nothing he gave away where I thought mm, he doesn't sound sure or oh, that's something that you say when you're doubtful. He, he genuinely did say. He says, look, you you you're never re- entirely confident with these things, but I think he's you know he's seen enough from what Bradman and his um, uh, entourage are saying in terms of what they want. To, for him to feel quite comfortable with where the club is at, with where Bradman's at, that he will still be a part of um, the future. And and the same with Adam as well. He was like, look, I knew that, that you know my future was never going to be resolved before the, the season was done. I'm off to have an end-of-season holiday, which is my right, and that will all get sorted out. That Everything he said is what – those are actually how normal clubs handle that. And we've got to get out of this mindset now where we're like – you know, lock them down there while we still can. No, that's that's, that's not get, what you do. That's how you get in cap trouble. That's exactly that's, right. That's how, you, that's how you end up paying three and four coaches like the Tigers do. That's exactly right. But what gave me confidence about what Adam had to say about his future about uh, Bradman is that for the first time since Kalen re-signed, I'm actually in a position now where I'm like, you know what, we can probably cop losing a market a, a blue chip player or you know if adam does decide that his future lies elsewhere at the end of 24 that's actually okay because the club now is operating in a matter where you feel like they put contingencies in place to say we're going to be all right and that's a great position to be in it's not a, it's no longer about the people who do and don't want to stay it's about the people that are here looking after what's in the club's best interest moving forward and we should absolutely be embracing that yeah, hundred percent. You know, and then that's as I said, yeah, that really that's the difference. That the plan is the plan. The plan it does not rely on individuals. Yeah, the plan involves Kalaponga being Kalaponga. But if Kalen something happened, you know, in two or three years time he left, it's not a disaster. 
you know, we we, we get a one point four million back cap space, and we would have and would have, no doubt have a plan to to buy two good players for that. You know, like that's how this club's now operating. It's the Peter Parr plan. It's not even the Adam O'Brien plan. Adam O'Brien, you know, the coach gets fired. That could happen. Adam O'Brien could want to go somewhere else. That's you know, next year. Bradman could Bradman could get an offer from you know the Roosters or the Dolphins or somewhere, but he can't say no. The Dolphins come to him and say, "Here's 1.1 million, Bradman." Bradman's taken it, understandably. Mm. You know, you can't. I think the Dom thing burners. Everyone, the club assumed Dom would stay because they were going to give you a competitive offer, and that was going to be enough. It wasn't. And mm. Dom and Dom left us, and you know, and then we sort of, we all sort of, oh shit, what do we do now? But <laughs> you, you can't be tied to one player in a club. You just can't. So, no, I, look, I, I, look, my takeaway from what uh, Adam O'Brien had to say on Barry Tui was um, just, you know, that, that perfect little footnote to the end of the season. And, um, yeah, look, I, I just think uh, bring on bring on 2024. You know, we're going to have a women's team that will be trying to uh, replicate the uh, men's Panthers team by going for a three-peat. Um, we've got a uh, men's team that surely has to look at um, this season as you know, what could have been and next year correcting that. And I just think, you know, with Peter Parr at the moment, just running that football department the way we we thought, you know, it, 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 this this club would be run a couple of years ago, it, it really is, it's upside. It's just, it is all upside for us at the moment. And um, I'm just sort of hoping that regardless of what the media have to throw to um, generate their clicks for the off-season, that Knights fans can have the confidence to just enjoy themselves and look forward to, to round one in the respective competitions next year. Yeah, and Peter Parr is the... He's the, he's the guiding hand in terms of... He can be stern, day. He can play the politics of football and hold his ground. But he can also be the player's, you know, best mate and, and do that too. Because all the players love him, you know. But he has the ability to tell Phil Garner to get back in his box sometimes, you know. He has the ability to, you know, to deal with the Sydney bullshit and Peter the Landies and all that. He has all those skills from his time at the Cowboys to run this club how a professional sports organisation should be run and how this club has never actually been run. Hey everyone, we're going to do a bit of a, uh, a two-parter for um, for the last week's worth of action. So that's probably the end of the first part in respect of Dalliam uh, outcomes and uh, and you know looking forward to uh, to next year. Um, stick around though; we'll make sure that uh, Big T loads up uh, part two of uh, this week's week's recordings, and um, yeah, we'll see what we've got to say about the grand finals. Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.